some of the key areas that I think it are important to focus on are one for sure transportation biosecurity. Uh, there's been there's been some progress made there over the last few years with improved washes, some of the uh, drying assistance, and and things of that nature. But certainly, you know, where it starts for me is getting the employees or the caretakers into the barn in a biosecure manner. And ultimately, you know, we're relying on the, these people to perform the process day in and day out, whether somebody's watching or not. And ultimately, that's where a lot of the risk lies, I believe. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like MS Gold, the best hygiene products in livestock farming. Swine management to the next level. Cloudfarms.com. Ivonic. We are sciencing the global food challenge. Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts. This episode's sponsored highlight is about MS Shippers. Want to save up to 25% in labor time when cleaning your barns? With MS Top Foam Power, you effectively remove all historical pollution. MS Top Foam Power ensures the surface is perfectly clean and ready for disinfection. Find your dealer at www.msgold.eu. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Daniel Boykin, who's the veterinarian at Cactus Feeders. How are you today, Daniel? I'm doing good. Thanks, Laura. Well, we're glad to have you on today. Um, some of our audience may not be very familiar with you. And so before we really jump into the topic at hand, maybe give a little bit of a background about yourself. Sure. So I am originally from North Carolina. I went to NC State for undergraduate animal science degree and continued to earn my doctor of veterinary medicine there in 2016. Uh, from there, I was hired at Christensen Farms. So I moved across country to live in Minnesota for a couple of years before having the opportunity to join the team here at Cactus in 2018, where I've been ever since then. Well, perfect. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to visit with you today. Um, I know, you know, we're looking at this time of year, at least in the United States, it's winter. Uh, we're sitting right on the edge of, of a snowstorm coming in. We're all talking about it. And every time when we think about winter, I think one of the first words that comes into mind is biosecurity. And you've had some commercial experience working in various production systems and so I really want to pick your brain today a little bit on you know, maybe where some of the holes in biosecurity are that, that we need to really focus on these days. Yeah, that definitely is a hot topic, really any time during the year, but certainly this time of year, we see increase in disease pressure across the board. Um, you know, it's been a strong focus for us here at Cactus and Certainly, you know, going to some of these um, different conferences where it's obviously a point of conversation, a point of interest and, and focus for biosecurity. 
in the across the industry. So, you know, some of the key areas that I think it are important to focus on are one for sure transportation biosecurity. Uh, there's been there's been some progress made there over the last few years with improved washes, some of the uh, drying assistance, and and things of that nature. But certainly, you know, where it starts for me is getting the employees or the caretakers into the barn in a biosecure manner. And ultimately, you know, we're relying on these people to perform the process day in and day out, whether somebody's watching or not. And ultimately, that's where a a lot of the risk lies, I believe. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's maybe walk through that a little bit when you're thinking about enforcing biosecurity on a farm, because you, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's when nobody's looking. Um, and, and we certainly want to create biosecurity processes that are easy to employ and easy to follow. Um, but I know when you first introduce people to a farm, they, they kind of panic a little bit. It's a lot of information. So what are some thought processes around how we get caretakers into the farm in a way that, is repeatable. Right. No, that's a good point. And, um, you know, the nature of our business is that there is a certain amount of turnover and we do have new people going in all the time. Um, so a big point of focus for us has been training and ultimately, you know, we want to make sure that the people that are having to do these processes all the time are aware of what is right you know, within themselves, they have to hold themselves accountable to doing what they know is right, but they have to first know what those processes are. And so, um, you know, there's been a couple of things that we've done. One is to revamp our onboarding process to include a more inclusive biosecurity training for new employees. And then beyond that, over the last couple of years, Uh, We really have vamped up a biosecurity auditing process, site biosecurity auditing process, which, um, you know, it is a snapshot in time to say, how did the farm look today in in terms of biosecurity? How are the employees, caretakers doing today with all of our processes? But uh, above all, it keeps a clear focus to the farm that, you know, we are interested in improving biosecurity. And it also allows us to identify other opportunities that, you know, maybe we didn't think about in the onset. And so it certainly is a fluid and evolving process that we reserve the right to update and include new things all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What about visitors? So visitors on South Farms or even Wean to Finish Barns are, are certainly one of those that we probably are even more conscious about because either one, they may not understand the biosecurity rules that, that your system has in place or, um, you know, equipment or even vehicle clean cleanliness can be a challenge. So how do you handle visitor biosecurity? Yeah, so... Um... I guess for our sow farms, we have a much better control over that uh, at this time. And, you know, that by design, you look back over the years where biosecurity has really made progress in the industry. 
the first focus was South Farm biosecurity. We have to keep the South Farms healthy. And so we have a pretty good control over who and what goes into our South Farms on a day-to-day basis. And that way we are able to monitor what their appropriate downtime was. Um, why are they going in there? What do they have business with? And we have the ability to even prepare in advance if they have, um, you know, certain clothing needs, certain tools and equipment that they need to, let's say, do maintenance or service something on the farm. We can prepare for their visit and have that equipment and supplies in the farm for them upon their visit. On wing to finish, uh, it's a little bit more challenging for sure. And certainly we would ask that any visitors would sign a log and we would like to know who's going into the farms. But the geography is so much more vast on Wien to Market. We have sites all over the state. Um, and with it, with us having a big majority of our business being in contract growers, a lot of times if they choose to hire someone to do maintenance or, you know, they choose to hire someone to do a vaccination event or a loadout, then that, that is their responsibility. And so we also would hope and encourage them to uphold the standards that we're asking them to do day in and day out with their visitors. But that definitely is an area that we need to continue to understand and and improve upon. And, you know, I just can recall in some recent conferences and I, I don't, I can't say which one, I think maybe a Lehman conference this fall that there was quite a bit of discussion on wing to market biosecurity in general. And it was interesting to me that certainly we we feel like that we have known that rendering would be a risk. And so there's been a clear direction and movement, I think, um, to alternative on-site dead disposal methods and everything that way. But the one area that really stood out to me was the uh, correlation with maintenance on the farm uh, with the timing of an outbreak. And so, you know, that just identifies that these events really can lead to, to disease outbreaks. And, you know, when you get to thinking about it, it makes sense. A lot of times they're bringing in specialized equipment to perform some of the maintenance. Um, a lot of times these contract maintenance uh, crews or businesses probably are not devoted to a, to an individual production system. So there's probably crossover between systems. And so even if we were to uphold some requirement or standard, then uh, without having a, a clear understanding of where they had been before, or if, you know, if another uh, production system maybe didn't have the same uh, understanding of, of disease status of a site and, you know, well, they may have been to a farm and they say, well, yeah, they didn't say they had any disease problems, but in all reality, maybe they did and we just don't know. So those are definitely areas that we, we have opportunity to improve upon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one of the other things I think that kind of came into my head, I'm going to go back to sows and then we'll, we'll go back to wean to finish. I'm going to bounce a bit. Um, but when you were talking about entry into the farm, you know, we've had these discussions before we've actually seen it during PED breaks where we have instead of just the 
standard Danish entry and then walking into the shower. It's almost like a double Danish entry. So you change shoes once and and put on different you know, Tyvek or something, and then you go actually walk into the farm and do another Danish and then a shower. Do you see that coming down the pipeline, some more what we call secondary barriers before entering a farm? I think that that is a great idea. Um, you know, <clears throat> we have to be very conscious when we're thinking about biosecurity that we need to be people that think outside the box a bit and consider new ideas and new methodologies because just because we've done it the same way for so many years doesn't mean that we can't be better. And so you make a valid point and, you know, I can see some progress that has been made. Um, You know, there's been a lot of project work and everything on adding the one bench before going into the, into the shower room. And so certainly, um, you know, having the shower was a big step and then making it another step before getting in there. uh, And you're alluding to even more multiple steps. Uh, Anytime that you're thinking about biosecurity, I think it's not just one process that makes it successful. It is the layers And so layers can be completely non-related biosecurity processes, such as supply entry versus employee entry, which we're talking about right now. But certainly adding layers within a process is also of of benefit. The, The trouble is that all these things take investment and, um, with the, the way that the economy and, um, the the markets are and grain prices. We're constantly looking at what can we do to minimize input costs to maintain profitable, and uh, it it can be difficult to to generate a return on investment on some of these biosecurity processes because there's no clear benefit other than well we're looking to reduce disease outbreak and and so. You know, some of the work that's been done in in some of these biosecurity processes to say, you know, how does it impact break rate incidents that we can hinge on and and try to show. But a a lot of this is ends up being conceptual and uh, that that can be a difficult sell. But certainly I think that there's value. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, too, it's just going back to basics and, and making sure, as you mentioned, we we get those right. And then we can start thinking about the layers and um, certainly making it employee friendly is always going to be key because again, if we don't make it employee friendly, they're not going to do it right They're They're going to skip a step here and there. Um, so I do think you're, you're talking, you know, exactly what I would expect in, in terms of biosecurity. Um, but let's kind of go back over now to wean to finish. And, and one of the things that, comes into my head and we just talk about simplifying and keeping things easy. I can't tell you how many pictures I still see today of, of farms, whether it's wean to finish or even sow barns where the cars are parked right up against the building. Um, and to me, you know, there is a step and wean to finish tends to kind of be the, the piece where it was like, well, you know, they're going to market. So maybe we don't have to worry as much. Um, 
what are your thoughts in terms of biosecurity? Showers and wean to finish barns? Is it Danish entry? You know, what types of procedures should we be thinking about? Yeah, um, this is where it starts getting a lot more complicated for sure. And the mentality, I guess, that I'm trying to portray and that we're trying to work towards is why is there a different mindset to say, well, that's what we do on the South Farms and this is what we do on Wing to Finish. Biosecurity is biosecurity. And so if we feel like that we have developed a, a good process or a process that we believe mitigates disease introduction into the farms at the South Farms, why can't we take those concepts and directly apply them to Wing to Market? And, you know, I think that uh, one big area that is um, probably not as nearly as good on the, on the wing to market as it is on South Farm is knowledge of health status. And so we're trying to stay as alert as possible of a new outbreak of PERS or PD. And you like to say um, that you're not going to change your behavior. If you know that you still should perform the processes the exact same way. But the problem is if you don't know that a a farm was PERS or PED positive and you, you know, we expect our field staff to make it to multiple sites in a day to fill their schedule that they could easily move it from farm to farm. And, you mentioned the risk of vehicle. Well, certainly, you know, you like to think if they do a complete change of clothing, shower into the farm, and in the reverse order that you're going to keep the sanitation of your truck cab clean. But certainly there would be a, a clear risk of bringing that back to your vehicle. And then when you go to your next site, that it would be much easier to bring it into the door if you were closer and so there's a, there's all these things to take into consideration but um, I think that defining the st- health status of the sites is is probably a, a point to, to consider and uh, certainly there there seems unfortunately to be a, a different mindset on wing market of well you know maybe I can just pass my phone through in case I get a call while I'm there or you know, maybe this grower doesn't have the clothing that I prefer to wear. So I'm just going to bring my clothes in and things that you would absolutely never do at a South farm that are considered okay on wing market. And we just have to change that script and that's going to take time. That'll take time. Absolutely. And I think you bring up a good point um, on transportation and not so much on the cars, but I'm thinking about the actual transport vehicles for the pigs Uh, because we see the similar thing, right? Should we wash our trucks in between each load to market? Should we not? And you had mentioned there's been some some newer data coming out on transportation, but what's your take on, on how we manage the movement of pigs um, you know, sows, we know that, that those trailers are always clean. But when we think about wean to finish, what are your thoughts? Right. Yeah. So um, we at Cactus have taken the, the stance of washing every trailer after every load. And it really is more so 
certainly we don't want there to be a disease introduction in late finishing because it can be very costly and add to your late mortalities after all the input costs are there. But beyond that is even on dump loads where it would be the last load going out, uh, we're, we're more concerned about the risk of contaminating the site prior to new pigs coming in. And so even down to that very last load, um, we see value in, in bringing a clean trailer to that site. And, you know, I think that transport biosecurity took a big leap in terms of progress around the time of PD a few years ago. And certainly, you know, as we look to the future of uh, the risk of a foreign animal disease or African swine fever, that we're going to need to continue to make progress as that's going to be a, a critical piece in the, in the event of a foreign animal disease. Absolutely. You know, I can think about some of our listeners are probably sitting here and thinking, well, they don't have access necessarily to a dryer this time of year. And, and we all know we're, we're stepping into negative degree weather and snow on the ground. And so we've got feed trucks and transport vehicles and employee cars that are coming in with snow packs. And, and we've all seen Scott D's snowball project from years and years ago. So how, what are your thoughts on how we approach winter weather when maybe we can't use what we consider more of the conventional disinfecting processes that we can use nine months out of the year? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, um, <clears throat> This time of year, it's easy to make those comments because, like you said, here in the Midwest, we're facing uh, blizzard conditions over the next few days. And and so it's certainly something that needs to take into consideration. Generally, when we're having these conversations during the summer and somebody wants to say, well, what about during the winter? I'm like, well, guess what? It's not winter. So let's focus on getting the things right and not, not falling back on that. But you're spot on that it is our reality and we do deal with those colder times. And so one thing that we have uh, taken into consideration or, or that we are utilizing are some different powder disinfectants, certainly to wash um, open shoots are risky for the pigs. You know, if you wash the shoots and, and they freeze over, then you've got a skating rink and the next load out, it's a, it's a safety issue for the pigs, um, for anybody pushing the pigs up the chute. They they could slip and fall, and so we have to maintain the welfare of the pigs and the people for sure. And so that takes some of our tools out of out of play. And so certainly we use some of the powdered disinfectants that are available in those scenarios. And then also we've taken a pretty strong stance to having enclosed dock height chutes. And so then you still have the heat and it doesn't limit your ability to, to do a complete wash and disinfect on that. But, um, you know, even outside in some of the scenarios when we're at high risk times of year, uh, we know that there maybe is a disease risk in the area or even some managers will, will take the extra precaution to utilize these these powdered disinfectants and just spread them around the entryways, spread them around uh, the ends of chutes and uh, maybe even the driveways in some instances when we think that there's an extreme high risk. And so those are some of the tools that we have available. But again, it's not just one thing that makes it successful, but that's, that's one possible outcome. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion with the with the powder because I know, again, we always have those conversations, especially around the feed trucks and and some of those that we know are going between sites on any given day. And, and I think you mentioned the discussion around the biosecurity and, and the pyramid. And so, how or what would you recommend to the people that are contract growers and and as you mentioned, have people coming into their sites, right? If if I'm a production company, I own the feed mills, I have a little bit more control over right that movement. So how do you, or what recommendations do you have for those contract growers that are trying to balance biosecurity? Well, um, you know, a lot of times the contract growers are, if a, if a site breaks with disease, they may not be financially responsible. They, they don't, in these cases, own the pigs, they don't own the feed many of the inputs they own the facility and the labor and so um, certainly what we like to say is that they are our partners and so despite that not directly impacting their pocketbook that they have interest in us doing well because ultimately that in the long run means that they have a, a longevity to their contract and the ongoing relationship and it'll be a lot, a lot better of a working relationship. But beyond that is with the disease introduction into the farm, it means more work. There's going to be more treatments. There's going to be more mortality and and more work associated. And so what we would ask is, and it goes back to some of the training that hopefully they understand the process and that they're executing it day in and day out. But not only that, but they are the ones that are there most frequently and we would ask that they uphold the same standards that we're holding them to, that they hold those same standards to any visitors or, or contract labor that may be coming into their facility. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Great, great suggestions there, Daniel. Well, I kind of see that our time of, of conversation is wrapping up. So maybe I'd like for you to hit a few key points that you'd like for our listeners to take away today around biosecurity and managing it on their farms. So uh, I guess... To sum it up, I would say a a key area would be consistency. Uh, You would want to have a consistent approach to biosecurity, uh, one that can be replicated time in, time out. Uh, You know, we've gone back and forth talking a lot about training and making sure that the process is well enough understood and that there's a process to bring maybe new people whether it be new contract growers, new employees up to speed. And then also monitoring how well is the process being executed. And that comes back to the auditing piece. And so I think those would be three big key takeaways to focus on for biosecurity. Perfect. Thank you so much. It is time to our famous three. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Genesis, the first power in genetics, AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production, Eastman Animal Nutrition. Visit EASTMAN.com. Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. Well, as you know, or maybe you don't know, but we typically ask our guest speakers a couple of common questions at the end. And so I'm going to start um, with the question around a swine resource. And for our listeners today, would you have a swine resource that you would recommend to them? 
I would say uh, a big resource that I rely on is a network of people. And my network will be different than your network, but the industry is relatively small in the grand scheme of things. And so there's going to be a lot of overlay and somebody that I know, I might talk with you and you know them or you know someone else and you give me a recommendation. And so, um, you know, I would say above all and at large, it would be just the complete network of people and interactions that you may have at conferences, um, people that I've crossed paths with over, over the years. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually a very good recommendation. And, And it is interesting, the, the industry, while we're competitive, we are a small industry and we really do like to help each other out when you, at least my experience, when I go to those meetings and we have a problem, it's more likely somebody else also has that problem and they're very willing to share and discuss and maybe not in a big public area, but off in a corner. And I think those are, that's a great reference point for sure. Well, the last question we'd like to ask you really focuses around um, if you can think of someone in your life that you define as successful and you can define success however you'd like to define it, uh, what's a trait that they have possessed or that they do possess that has allowed them to be successful? I would say uh, there's a lot of different ways to define success. Um, One key trait that I think uh, helps to drive success is maintaining a positive outlook and being an eternal optimist. And, um, you know, it's easy sometimes when times are tough and to get in into a slump and, um, you know, focus on where things are wrong and what's wrong. But I think finding the good in things is always a, a way to continue to to make progress and and move in the direction that you want to go. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great trait for sure. Um, Well, Daniel, I do want to thank you again for your time today. It's been a pleasure visiting with you and talking to you more about biosecurity and some of the things that we should be considering on the farm. Again, for our listeners, you know, this is again, conversations that we hear all of the time, but it's, it's really going back to the basics and creating a process that's, user-friendly that provides some layers and is repeatable on whatever farms that that you're running into. So um, Daniel, with that, again, we want to thank you. For our listeners, this is Dr. Daniel Boykin with Cactus Feeders. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Laura. Enjoyed the conversation. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.